Cause my quiver's full of hope I've got the urge to walk the prairie And chase the antelope Aspen's gold on snow-capped peaks The elk call me away I can't keep my mind on working on This fine September day I've got Nimrod neurosis Longbows on the brain I'm an outdoor junkie through and through Hunt's my middle name My eyes are on the target Broadheads all fly true Can't wait till I can get outside So I can fling a few Welcome to the Drag Quest Podcast. James Orr here, and we've got Bob, the bow hunter Borland, fresh out of the Nevada desert with bloody hands. What's going on, Bob? <laughs> oh, not much, man. It's busy, busy, busy. Busy, busy. So, yeah. uh, long, long trek home. Yep, I uh, got in last night about 12.30, drove all day, and then, uh, yeah, today I... Packed up stuff to head to Arizona all day, kind of reloaded. We went from RV in to we're going to wall tent it down there. and So we had to repack everything, and I had to take the meat in and clean up the coolers and the game bags and the pack. Yeah, so it's been a long day, and then i got to get up at 6 in the morning and drive 20-some 20, 20 hours down to Arizona. So, yeah. And here we are. At, Grinding. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Well, uh, let's get the let's get the full uh, scoop. The uh, Nevada trip. Well, um, it was fun, dude. It was fun. I was down there a long time. Uh, I got down there like a day early and uh, ran around, and checked stuff out. Did a lot of glass in the first week. I didn't sit water. It was kind of there, there's only so many water holes, and there's guys that kind of get there a week early the thing there is you put your name in a empty water bottle and kind of like reserve it if you get there a week early you put your blind up and and i talked to a few guys that had done that and i was like yeah i i'm not gonna mess with that so so the first week i just kind of was glassing you know checking stuff out and and it was tough you know they weren't they were all bachelored up the first few days they were kind of up high up above where kind of the juniper line was and uh they're pretty visible but I didn't I didn't see any great big ones so I I uh you know passed on stock and any of them I was kind of looking for a particular bull I had a kind of a friend of a friend that had found a, a monster in there so I spent the first couple days looking for him but he'd uh moved on unfortunately and I never found the found him I kept going back up in that area and checking every once in a while but I never found him so that's kind of how it started, just glassing and seeing a few here and there. Um, were there big groups? Like, were they herded up, like, in groups of 20 or 30 or? No, uh, the the most I saw was, like, six bulls together or something like that. So they're kind of in their bachelor group still. Real white-horned, you know, they just rubbed. Okay. And bulls were kind of hanging out and not doing much. It was, the first week was super windy. Which was good for stalking. I, I, I got, I found one good bull. You see on my, our Instagram, I posted a picture of, of that bull. I, I found him bedded one day and, and I guess we tell some stories on that Is one. Is that but, the, uh, six by eight? Yeah. And I just happened to, I was kind of hunting this backside of this mountain. I, there's a road that goes up the 
front side and I figured most people wouldn't hunt the back side, you know, so I, I, I hiked in there. I hiked up to the top from where you could drive on that side. I hiked up to the top and I was glassing back over the other side and I just got lucky and happened to catch a glimpse of that bull as he stood up and moved, you know, moved his bed and he bedded down and, and I watched him for a while and I knew he wasn't going to stay there either because sun was going to hit him. So I watched him for probably an hour and a half. That's why I took all those pictures and stuff. And he got up and he moved about 80 yards, bedded down in some thick stuff. And I could see his tines, so I knew where he was. I spent a couple hours kind of watching the area, and I was like, all right, well, this is perfect. So I, I got all my stuff. I tried to kind of pick out where he was. You know how it is when you stalk. Everything looks the same when you get over there. But I got down, hiked down over the mountain, and... I waited for a little, little bit of an after, you know, midday breeze to kind of to pick up and started working my way in there. Well, I got where I thought I was a couple hundred yards. I took my shoes off and I was just wearing little dress socks and I, I kept going. Well, I ended up being about 800 yards from where I wanted to be. <laughs> I kept going over there. I was like, eh. he, there was a little white knob, like a white sand knob he was bedded by. And I finally got to where I saw it. I'm like, Oh, that's the knob perfect there it, it was a perfect scenario man there was a good cover there was a little saddle up by where he was it went right down into where he was and i'm like and the, by then the wind had picked up i'm like this is this is gonna work you know was he by himself i thought he was <laughs> that's where the story goes uh okay. i got I got up to that little saddle. I mean, I had an arrow on the string. I'm like, okay, I'm like 100 yards out. I got a good wind. I got good cover, like better cover than I thought when I was glassing to get in there. I'm like, this is going to be great. And I and I made like two steps over that saddle. And all of a sudden, it startled the crap out of me, you know. A bull stood up 80 yards away. And it was a, a seven by seven. He had sevens, like his fifths were split. And it was a big old bull, you know, but of course it was 80 yards. And he just stood there and looked at me like, hmm, well, you know, what the heck? And and then he just kind of slowly walked off and just out of habit. I don't know why, you know, you always got a cow call, right? <laughs> and then it, my, my cow call must have sounded really good because he, then he just took off running. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. Well, if you look, I don't think the one I posted, but I have some pictures, you know, just through my scope because I don't have a phone scope or anything. I'm like always just like monkeying with my phone. I looked back at some of my pictures and you could see like a little piece of a brow tine. If you look really close on one of those pictures off to the left where that other bull was bedded and rookie mistake, man. I mean, I checked out all around him. I watched him for almost two hours and, uh, Dang it. yeah, I, if I would have known that bull was there, but anyway, so, so that was that. And I thought they were blown out of there, but the next, Day I went back up to that same mountain. Was up there before daylight. It was really windy that day. I mean, before day, I mean, it was cranking. I had to kind of hide behind a little juniper up on that knob to even get it to where my scope can blow over. And I'm glassing all down where those, where they were. Nothing, nothing, nothing. You know, right at daylight. And then I happened to look back up on the mountain behind me and there's that same bull and he's feeding. He's in this. Nice little tight draw. And the wind is blowing about 25. And I'm like, oh, I can walk right up on him. But I'm like, 
they were they the bulls were bedding early that first week. They were bedding at six thirty in the morning, and it, it was getting light about five forty five. So you had a very small window, and it was probably are they bedding in are they bedding in sage and then moving to the juniper oh, or are no, they always in the juniper? They were in the juniper stuff, and hard that stuff's hard to hunt them in when they're bedded down. So it's nearly it's pretty much impossible. And, but I thought, I was like, shoot, it's probably, it was probably six when I saw him, six, a little after. I'm like, I got a little bit of time. He was, he was a long ways away. I probably had to go a mile to get the wind right around, and a lot of it was uphill. And so I packed up my stuff and I just took off as fast as I could. And I, I worked my way up that ridge, you know, almost running. And by the time I got up, I was like a couple hundred yards away, right over the knoll. I, I took my shoes off. I started slipping in there. It's probably 150 yards when I took my shoes off and I was perfect. I mean, when the wind blows like that, it is so nice. It's so nice. And I'm, I got in there. Do you, do you take your pack off and your shoes and leave it all there or do you put your shoes in your pack and take it with you? Well, I used to leave it all there, but after a few long walks, and especially there, it was really rocky ground. After a few long walks back, and that new pack I got that Aaron sent me, this thing is sweet, man. It's like you don't you don't have a pack on. It's so nice. And so I just yeah. I just put yeah. my shoes. I strapped them. It's got a couple of straps on the outside. I just take my shoes off, strap on the pack, and then when I screw up the stock, I don't have to wander back, you know, three hundred yards look for my shoes. And it's not. It's not brushy there, you know. It's not like there's undergrowth. It's just junipers, and you're weaving your way through the junipers. So there's, you know, not a lot of stuff to get hung up on your pack. So it doesn't really add a lot of extra noise. So that one I didn't. I, I, uh, you know, I was just ended up strapping it on my shoes or on my my shoes yeah, on my yeah. pack, and and yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll we'll get in more into that. When we talk Roosevelt, I, I've learned to maybe take my boots with me when I'm stalking in my bare feet. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I spent some time looking. <laughs> yeah. And uh I spent some time looking for your shoes. Yeah. So Awesome. So uh I I work I'm working up over that ridge and I get to where he was. I'm like, okay, he was feeding right there. He's gotta still be up. I mean I, I got there what I thought was fast. And it was pretty thick. And I had like one little opening to go through and I, I figured, okay, I didn't see him out there feeding anymore. He must have went through this little, there's a little saddle that was all cover, you know. I'm like, he must have be maybe he's working his way over that saddle and I'll cut him off. So I go to go across this little opening. It's probably like a 15 yard wide opening in this thick stuff. And I, and I'm get, I get about in the middle of it and I, and I'm looking and I see an ear. And he's already bedded down, like 30 yards or less. And I'm like, shoot. So, you know, I freeze, obviously. But he didn't see me. And I could see the head. Like, he had heavy beams, you know. I could see the beams. I'm like, oh, shoot. And then I, then I was standing there for a while. And I thought, oh, crap. I mean, I might have a shot. I was trying to figure out which way he was laying, you know. And it looked like he was almost laying kind of like quarter and away. And I'm like, well, I might have a shot if I just duck down and kind of get under these limbs. So, and I'd already had an arrow knock because I thought I was in the money anyway. So I kind of ducked down. And sure enough, his, I, I can see his body. It's wide open. 
and he's like 30 yards. But his hand, it's just his ham, you know, he's like, he's hunched up and all, all I had was like a ham, you know, his ham was there. I couldn't see the, get into the vitals and I'm like, ah, dang it. I'm in this hunched position on the shale with my little dress socks on. I didn't have anything on my feet and pretty soon I'm like, well, crap, now I got to stand back up because this is not working out. <laughs> so I go to stand up and he caught my movement and he bail he jumped out of there. And I had a cow call in my mouth. But my mouth was so dry from running up that mountain. I wasn't able to stop him until he, like literally, I, as soon as he took off, I'm like, <clears throat> like trying to blow the thing. And, uh, he stopped it. I think he was 50, about 50 yards or something, you know, too far. And he just, he was just in the wide open, turns, looks at me, stares, staring at me forever. And I, and then he started to like come back not towards me but he was he was working his way down the little draw to come across to my side so as soon as he got behind some cover i started kind of shuffling down to follow him and and by the time i got into like 35 or so he was so nervous that you know i kind of went to i went to draw back and he was just done he bailed out of there and that was the last i seen in that bowl i went back in there looking for him and and uh he was gone so uh, let's see, that was, I don't remember what day that was. That was probably day five or six. Um, day, day three, I walked up on those cougars bedded down. We, we talked about it, or I posted on Instagram. That was pretty cool, yeah, what, man. What was, what was the, yeah, what was the story on that? Well, I, I was kind of hiking up this ridge to class, but I was also in some pretty good cover. And so I was, kind of sneaking through there and I jumped two bulls on the way up there and again I, I heard the hooves a cow called and they kind of stopped too and one of them came back around it was a small six point 23 yards and he kind of you know he kind of busted me and they kind of moved off you know and so I kept working my way up there and uh I looked down I got like one or two draws after I saw those bulls and I looked down under, under a tree and I was like, man, is that, I thought it was like an old dead cow or something, you know, it looked like a hide or something under there. And, uh, I got my binoculars, you know, pulled them up. It was only, they're only like 70 yards. They're in the shade of that tree. And I, and I looked down there and I'm like, holy crap, just two mountain lions laying there. I don't know. I watched them for, I don't know, half an hour. They were laying they were the same size. Like they were laying face to face, tail to tail, just laying there. And one of them got up and moved oh. over into the shade when the sun started coming a little more. And the other one just laid there by itself. And that's where I got the picture. But, you know, I didn't have a cougar tag or anything. And I watched them for a while. And, and uh yeah, they just lounging around. They'd lay down and they'd pull their head up and stretch out. You know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> And so, do you think uh, you think they were pretty stock cool? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It was windy that morning. Yeah, for sure. And uh, they must have had a kill around there. I I was a couple ridges over uh, a few days later, and I saw tracks and down the the nearest road down below them. I drove it in the middle of the day one day, looking for see if any elk had been through there, and I saw their tracks again. And they were in that area doing their thing. I don't know if it was a uh, 
I'm not a wild cougar expert, so I don't know if it was a, you know, a mom and a two, you know, year and a half old that hadn't split yet that was the same size or whether it was a male and a female that were getting it on or something or what. But, but, uh, I just, I just eventually, I just, you know, like, all right, well, I gotta go find some elk and I just let him be, walked off. So that was, that was kind of highlight. Yeah. Highlight of week one. And then the second week, it, you know, it started to, I think the bulls got in that transition where it's, it got pretty slow. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't seeing much. I was glass in a bunch. I sat water five or six nights in there and, and, uh, I saw what, what was opening day. Bulls. It was the 25th. Yeah. 25th. So, like, basically early, they were still kind of bashored up, kind of up higher, a little more visible, and then, then they kind of laid low for a while. I guess they rest up, getting ready for, for go time, and then it finally started picking up about the fourth, fifth, somewhere in there. So, uh, yeah, so the, so basically long story, I was grinding out, hunting all, you know, I was, kind of camp strategically there was like four or five mountain ranges i could hunt which if you've ever been to nevada every mountain range is 25 miles from the next one so i put over a thousand miles on my polaris ranger that you know those three weeks so so anyhow um my dad was camping with me and he was kind of you know just hanging out at camp not doing much drinking beer right (laughs) so uh he got to know everybody around us. Well, there was a kid camped next to us and his wife and, and he ended up, you know, stopped by, ran into him a couple times and, and he was kind of just, you know, he'd been a rifle hunting for a long time and new to bow hunting. And he was, you know, he didn't know how to call and he's like, Hey man, you ever want to go out or whatever? And so it was like September 1st. I told him, I said, well, okay, you come with me. We'll- so- He's new to bow hunting, but he's got this great Nevada bull tag. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in Nevada, dude, you don't get an elk tag very often. That's the thing you got to think about. Like, we have it pretty lucky in Oregon. We can hunt elk every year. He went from, he lived in Oregon. He went, and he was a rifle hunter. So we'd only get a tag every, you know, whatever, five or six years. And then he went from that to Nevada where you get one every 10 years, you know. And he's only 30 years old. So. There you go. Do the math. And so, so, uh, I took him out kind of just because I was sick of glass and September 1st, I was like, we'll go, we'll go be, we'll go call him. We'll get something going. Well, that didn't work out. So, and then he had a buddy who came up who rifle hunted the area a bunch and he showed him a different area that was way, it was like 40 miles from camp and they got into quite a few elk. And he ended up seeing a good bull cross, actually cross the road one morning while they were driving up there back from there, kind of in the dark. And so they kind of went and checked that area and they found where these bulls were coming out of some private land, you know, down to the fields and going out into the hills. And he, you know, he was just kind of stopping by and telling us stories there for a couple of days. And he'd found this good seven by seven and he'd gotten like 60 yards from the herd and bugling and running around cows and I'm like dude if you would have freaking 
screamed at that thing, you probably would have just been right on your lap. He's like, well, I haven't called in so long. I, I don't want to screw anything up. And, and he's just, he's a, he's a cowboy. I mean, he grew up on a ranch and just super nice guy. And I said, well, if you want me to, dude, I was like, I'll go up there and help you out. He's like, well, if you don't mind, oh, that'd be great. So, so the next morning I get up at, you know, we get up at three and go all the way up there and hike in there in the dark and, and we wait for these elk and sure enough, they start kind of working their way up this ridge and, and, uh, we had my decoy. I took my decoy to cover, cover kind of the open ground. There's a lot of open stuff. So I didn't really use it to call them in, but if you have to move across like a sage flat, you know, 200 yards away, if you have that little decoy, be surprised. You know, a couple guys walk behind it. The, the elk don't freak out. You know what I'm saying? Like they'll just kind of hang there. Right. And so we get old Jenny out, we call her and we, we take off after these elk when they finally start the wind, the way the wind was, we had to kind of wait for them to get even with us. And, and, uh, we work our way down there and I get to where I'm as close as I could be. It's hard to get close enough in that country because it's so open. And so a lot of times you got to use like a ridge, you know, so where they're just on the other side of the ridge. So we got in there and it's perfect. They were just on the other side of this little ridge. I saw Spike. He came up. I heard him bugle down right on the other side. And then I saw a couple cows start coming up. I'm like, okay, this is it. So I, I just scream at him, you know, and bam, he pops right up over the ridge and he's standing there. I don't know, 40 yards or something, but Josh is kind of behind me next to me and he can't shoot through the tree just you know whatever and so he pops up on the hill with us kind of bugles a couple times and then then his cows start coming up and they start kind of filing by us at like 35 yards and then that spike follows line and i'm like oh this is perfect he's just gonna follow right with them and he he got behind him and when he went behind a tree I told the kid, I said, draw your bow. You know, he drew his bow, shoot the compound. And when he stepped out, he was like, how far? And I didn't, I didn't, I was, you know, I'm like 30. <laughs> it ended up being like 35 or something. But, uh, I, I cow called to stop it. I cow called, cow called, cow called. I mean, just laid on it. And that bull would not, I should have barked at him. He would not stop. Dude, you gotta bark at him. Dude. Yeah. But anyway. They just stopped. Like instantly, he shot, shot him walking, you know, real slow at, at 35 or whatever. But so he hit him a little far back, but it went in, it, it was quartering just a touch. It went in, and I knew like when he turned to go, I could see blood and I could see it came out like the chest on the other side. So I knew he got some good stuff, but he was freaking out, you know, he's like, Oh shit, bad shot. And, I, and I'm just like, Come on. And so we took off, kind of ran around to where we could see where he went. And I see him walking out there. So we start kind of following him. He's walking straight away. And then he stopped. And he, you tell he was hurting. And he's standing there for a while. And then he bedded down. And I'm like, okay, he's hurt. I'm like, but we're going to have, we got to get another one in him. I don't know. You know, he probably got one lung or whatever. So I told Josh, we, we took off our shoes. And I told him, I said, just stay right with me. And if he stands up, I don't care if he's 80 yards. Hit him, you know, just hit him again. Like, I'll keep keep you informed on how far he is. And so we start working in, working in. Well, we got all the way to 40. And 
you could see, even you could just see over the brush, and I was nervous about getting any closer. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, he's 40 yards, shoot him again. So, well, first he was going to take his quiver off. And I'm like, when we started going after him, I'm like, no, leave your quiver on there. You might need those arrows. And he's like, well, I'll pack it with me or whatever. I'm like, no, just leave your damn quiver on your bow. <laughs> so, so he kind of looked at me funny, and we, we get up there to 40. And, uh, and he shoots, well, he, he's trying to go right over that top of that sagebrush and he hit it and ching, missed it. And then the bull stand up and good thing he had his quiver right there. He knocked another one and drilled it and it ran, ran over the hill. We kind of waited a little bit and basically that was it. Walked up there. Good bull. So anyway, and of course I helped him, helped him pack it out and stuff. And he was just such an awesome guy. He's like, you know what? I'm not leaving. I'm, I'm going to stay here and help you. You know, I owe you. It was like you, it was like he saved his life or something. <laughs> and so I'm like, dude, you don't need to do that. You know, like shit. It's, he was up there with his wife and camp. It's like, Oh, I got the whole season off. And, and so, yeah, dude, from then on, he took me to some of those other spots as buddy showed him and, and we found a ton of elk and yeah, it, it was, it was awesome. So yeah, it was, a, it was a nice seven by seven. I think it scored like 339 and he was stoked. And so, yeah, it was a beautiful bull. Uh, you posted a picture on your, uh, Bob the Boehner page on the yeah. Instagram. It's a nice looking bull. Yeah. He was totally fired up. He's a, that's he's, awesome. So, yeah. uh, now didn't, uh, didn't you, uh, have another opportunity, uh, yeah, so another, another big bull. So we, yeah, so we went to this other area. His buddy showed him, and his buddy said, basically, he said, I don't see <clears throat> any elk there during rifle season, but he said, it's always tore up. It's, it looks really good. It's tore up with the rubs, blah, blah, blah. So I think it was the next morning we go up there and we got to get up, you know, we get up at three in the morning, we drive 35 miles on gravel roads on the wheeler to get there. And then we hike in, you know, I don't know, a mile or something. So it was a, yeah, it was a long days for him to be joining me. So we go in there and he was kind of nervous because he didn't know whether it's going to be any elk in there. Well, we, we, uh, the wind was kind of wrong. So we kind of had to go across this valley that we thought the elk would be in, you know, like coming into before they got there. So, we, so we go out to the kind of other side of it. And we're looking down over and there's some, some private fields like way down there, probably a mile and a half away and it's starting to get light. And, uh, we hear like a bugle off in the distance. We're like, Oh, cool. You know, it must be some elk out there. And dude, that day was just, it was mayhem. Like all the elk were like the cows were all still in one herd. There's, there had to be like over a hundred of them. And then, and we could barely see wow. it. I mean, they were like miles away. And we could barely see them, but there was just elk running all over down there. They're bugling and it was just nuts. And they ended up working their way up the valley, but it was wide open and they end up working their way kind of on the finger across from us. And you can't, the problem with that country is like a lot of times you can't like just go over there because it's wide open. <laughs> you know, you can't just like, oh, they're on the other side of the hill. Let's go over there. So. You have to go all the way around the mountain. So we tried that and we, it know, sounds like they just kind of, are they just nomadic? Are they just roaming? Yeah. Well, we found like these areas we found, they were, they were basically going down into private 
feeding in their the fields and there was water down there and coming out onto the public into this this the area where I cut my bull was like a five or six square mile area between you know that was basically it had like one little old two track in it you know where they'd go out into all these little hills spread out and bed down but the problem was right. they were they were bedding down by like eight in the morning so anyway that first morning we're like okay that didn't work next morning let's get on that other ridge where they all came up we're like okay that's a good idea so we get o- over there to that other ridge the next morning the wind is good like perfect and then they go up the ridge we were on the day before and we're right, like, shoot, yeah, what, what are the odds of that? And then, so the next day I told him, I said, hey, here's the deal. These, these, these elk were, were down there too low trying to cut them off. Like, cause once we get down there, we're kind of isolated. We can't get around them cause it's wide open. I said, tomorrow, let's, let's go up there, way up there in the cover where they end up, you know, and, and we'll just wait for them up there and try to get the wind. And the wind's going to be tricky, but that's our, that's our key so we can have some cover to move in on them. And so we actually ended up going to a, like the other end of it and hiking up the backside of this mountain. So, so we do that, we get up there, the wind is kind of like iffy because it's just as blow, it blow kind of like across from us. Of course the bulls, the elk go right where we were the morning before back along that same ridge. And, uh, but a, but a little group comes around, kind of around the ridge we're on, and they come up into where we're at. So it's kind of like the plan's kind of working, but the wind was just iffy. And almost like you're kind of playing the crosswind, like as best you can. And so I, finally they, they come up there close enough, and I'm like, I think, you know, I'm checking the wind checker like every two seconds, and it's blowing this way, and it's blowing that way, and I'm like, I'm getting all pissed off, and... That guy probably thought I was insane because I was just like, you know, checking my wind checker, walking in circles, like, fuck, shit, 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 this isn't working, this isn't working. So anyway, finally, it kind of was a steady breeze kind of blowing across. And so I start working my way down in there. A couple different bulls bugling. And I get to where I have the last cover. There's one right over this little draw from me. There's one down below me and one up above me. And I'm out of cover. And so... I've been cow calling with my diaphragm. Well, I had this little, it's that, uh, it's called the trophy wife. I think that Steve Chapel or whatever makes it. So yeah. It's a little open mm-hmm. recall. And, yep. uh, and so I, I hit Daily. that. Yeah. I hit that a couple times, dude. And that it, it was crazy. Those bulls just like lost their mind, especially the one right over the hill next to me. Like he would just be and I'm like, oh yeah. So I really started playing them some, you know, little sweet tunes with that. They, they liked it when I just, you know, I just give them a little, you know, like, and oh my God, it just, yeah. just enough to drive nuts. Well, then I had a cow making the bulls go crazy, Bob. giving it, giving it back to me. Like, and I, then I, for a little while, I'm like, is there a guy up here? You know, like, cause it sounded just like me. I'm like, what the hell? Well, then that cow came in. And then she kind of spooked off, you know, she came into like 20 yards and then she spooked off and, and I mean, it was probably 20 minutes and then there ended up being a bull to my left that was coming up the ridge and I caught a glimpse of him down in the bottom. He was just a, like a small six point. So satellite bull kind of coming up to my left and I had these other three bulls to my right 
And then at one point I saw the upper bull kind of like run down the edge of the draw. I could see his tines. He kind of went past that other bull. I don't know if he had a cow or what the hell was going on. There's stuff going over there. So I was like, oh man. And that bull right next to me was getting so, he was just so fired up. But I was, it was probably 20 minutes. But I couldn't get any closer. You know, like I had one tree. I, I knew as soon as you step over that hill, they're going to see you and take our front. So, so finally that bull to my left, I think was coming up that hill and got close enough that that bull that was right over the knoll to my right, he just finally lost his mind. He's like, here, all of a sudden I hear <laughs> like heavy breathing, like just nuts and then i see tines coming oh. and i'm like oh crap here he comes <laughs> and josh was like 100 yards behind me and he could hear the thing just <laughs> like it was like a gorilla coming in and then he he stops oh. he stops on the little ridge right right in front of me and he starts raking a tree shredding this little juniper well i'm i'm thinking okay he's gonna leave that juniper and he's either gonna like he's gonna come right or left which way is he gonna come you know i'm all trying to figure out. I wasn't even paying attention to like where he was. Like he was close, but he was facing me. I, I didn't think I'd have a shot. And there was another little juniper right next between me and him. that was kind of like blocking, you know, any type of shot. And I was just like, he's just going to leave that juniper and he's going to come right or left. That's all I was thinking. Well, then he turns broadside while he's raking that little tree and he kind of like pushes forward enough to where it, opens up his whole vitals and I'm like oh crap there's my shot <laughs> and so I pick a spot I pull back I let it go and it's just it's going right for it just and it just goes right under him just right under his heart oh yeah and he was I I just I thought he was 30 yards you know or, or less and he was 35 yards or 34 I think I stepped it off just enough, and that's just at the range where I need to know, like, okay, I, he's just a little bit, like, I need to aim just a touch higher, right? And uh, another thing that is deceiving there is the juniper trees are all short. You don't see any big, there's no big, tall juniper trees. They're all, like, eight feet tall or six feet tall or four feet tall. They're really short. And so the elk look like dinosaurs walking around in that stuff. And it just totally messed with me. Like all of my, even that one that stopped at 50 yards, I thought like, oh man, that's close, you know? And then I, then I thought thinking like, well, no, that's, I, I'm not a real good judge of yards, but I can look, I can tell what 20 is. So I kind of like go 20, 40. Oh shoot, you know? So anyway, it kind of, it just, he, he got me. I should have been thinking, I should have been thinking the whole time, you know, like as soon as I could see him, I should have like played it in my head. Where is he at? You know, when can I shoot him? How, you know, how far he is. But and you're like on day like fifteen. That was day fifteen. At this point, right? That was, was day, day fifteen. Yep. Yeah. And uh and yeah. he ended up he ended up working around me a little bit and I almost got another shot at him, but he was so keyed up by then that he was just too nervous. And pretty big bull. Yeah, he was probably like a three forty bull somewhere in there. Yeah. Real nice yeah, bull. Really yeah. bull. Yeah, a lot bigger than what I got. <laughs> but yeah, I usually I usually try not to have those missed stories, but that one I just I just screwed it up. That's Bowen. What is what does that Byerly say? Nine out of ten things can go yeah, wrong. Man. Yep. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. And the wind, I'll tell you, I'm yep. I'm skipping a lot of stories where the wind 
you know, a lot of stalking in stories where the wind was just, would just screw me, you know. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Cause it was so, yeah. so it was let's... so fickle there. The first week, the first week the wind was cranking one direction. I was so excited. I'm like, this place is the greatest because the wind blows the same way and it blows hard all the time. It's not going to be good for Colin, but as soon as they're out running around, I can just walk up and want to shoot it. You know, it's like, this is going to be great. And then it died down. I don't know. It's weird. What so, elevation were you guys at? Uh, I think it's like, I don't remember. I, I honestly don't know. I think it was like 6,000 feet, kind of the high desert in there. So, yeah, it was neat country, man. But anyway, to finish my, it looked neat. yeah, what was finish. that? What was that? Cave, what was that cave thing you took your daughter over to? It looked like a, it's it had called, water uh, in it. Yeah, it's called uh, Rock Springs. Yeah, it's on the old Cali- uh-huh. California Trail. It's pretty cool. It just okay. comes right out of out of the rock. Um, it's. Yeah, I'll tell cool. you. I'll tell you that that desert. In Nevada, there's some places where it's just, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Like I said, we drove from where we camped from the pavement was, it was like 24 miles on gravel roads that we hauled the RV in there, right? So it was 24 miles of gravel road. And then we were driving 35 more miles of gravel road where I, where I killed my bull. I mean, there's just a lot of big, vast country up there. Wow. A lot of it's just like desert nothing, but those, Deer and elk, they can, there could be a herd in there. You know, like, that's why those bulls just get big there, I think. You know, and they limit the tags, but there's just a lot of big country. You just, it's so hard to, you know, like that bull that I was looking for, uh, he could he could be anywhere. You know how they move when they rub their velvet and start rutting. They keep be 15 miles away, he'd be 20 miles away. And in that country, what, what, were uh, they, what was the main food source besides these ag fields that they, could get access to well there was a lot of there was a lot of burns kind of mixed in so they were eating eating the grasses and stuff that grew up in those old burns and there was some okay there was kind of like down in the couple of the valleys there was there wasn't any water at the time but there was still kind of a little bit of green stuff running around in there and but i don't know this year there was way less water a lot of the game department guzzlers were dry and so I don't, I think that's why down in that lower country, we weren't seeing many elk, honestly. There was a few herds around, but, but I talked to, uh, you know, several guys and one guy that helped me out a lot. He hunted it last year and, and most of the places he was telling me to go, like there was just, we didn't see anything. And I think that's, I think it's just, that's the way it is in the that desert country. A lot of it depends on water, you know, and if there's not, not water around, they got to, they got to be within, well, it's surprising how far they go to water there. I mean, they go, they go miles and miles to where they get water <laughs> because, wow, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. It's a little wild, but. So you'll just see them like out, out on a, on a trot just for water. And is it, is it like the, I have zero experience with elk in the desert. Um, is it like the Oregon desert elk that you've been hunting or yeah, was it yeah, different? Yeah, it, it was super similar to exactly what I've been doing. Very similar. Okay. Same country. Just more, it's, more it's hot. Out. Yeah, it's hot. There's no shade. So the elk, they're pretty 
you know, unless they're super fired up, they're pretty much, you know, bedded down early. They don't come out till late. You know, it's, it's tough hunting, man. And, and I, I knew it would be, but, but, uh, I thought I, you know, I, I didn't think it'd be that tough, but it was it's just elk hunting. Is, is Arizona going to be the same, uh, habitat or is it going to be a mountain hunt? No, there's, there's, there's more mountainous stuff there. I think there's, yeah. you know, pines and stuff like that. So it'll be up a yeah. little, little, little bit more, more like a normal elk hunt, but I kind of enjoy, I like the desert. Yeah. It's fun. I like, I like being pop- able to see their tracks and yeah. stuff. You know, I like tracking them and just kind of cool. I like right. it too. It's all fun. Yeah. So tell let's let's hear about okay. the, the so, five point with devil times. So after I miss that bowl, the, the good news here's the good news about the miss. I'm shooting a new bow, right? This year I got that Robertson Wolfer. I've been shooting a blacktail for years and years. I'm not a switch bow guy, so I was a little nervous about it. And uh and I was stump shooting a lot, you know, or there's no stumps, but I was shooting pieces of, you know, sagebrush and stuff, and I was shooting pretty good, but, but when that wind was cranking there, man, it sure did, my arrows wouldn't fly great, I don't know, I was like, when it was cranking, they wouldn't fly that great, so anyway, I was kind of, and so then it started playing with my head a little bit, how that does, like, my, is my brace height off, is this off, is that off, and then when it, when it wasn't blowing, I'd, I'd be dialed, so I was kind of a little, you know, New bow, all that stuff. So when I did miss that bow, though, it was just like old times. You know, I just picked a spot and I let her rip and it was perfect. Besides the part where it dropped a little bit too low and missed it. But other than that, it was perfect. So I had like this, it was a depressing moment, but it was also a boost of confidence for me, if that makes any sense at all. So yeah, 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 yeah. So the next, because it wasn't. You, you missed low, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, and and I and it all made sense. You know, it, the reason I missed low is because he was yeah. at that range where if I don't know he's, you know, if I don't stop and think, okay, he's a little bit further, thirty five, I'm gonna miss. You know, I'm gonna shoot a little low, and, and so I, my confidence. And you didn't pick the woods in your bow, and Dick sent you this bow with juniper limbeneers, and it just so happens that uh, you're out there hunting in the juniper country. Yeah, I love juniper. Juniper's good. So. so cool. Yeah. So anyway, I that that was like it was it was a depressing miss, but it was also like a confidence builder. So the next day, I don't remember what I did that night. I might have, I might, I think I went and sat water that night. Didn't see anything. I'm like, I'm done sitting water. That's that's enough. So anyway, the next morning we go back up in there, kind of do the same hunt basically. Get up there before light. Wait, well, the elk, since that first day where there was a hundred of them, they're all going nuts. I told him, I said, we just witnessed like the day they split up. Like that was awesome. I mean, they all came up this valley below us. They were just going nuts. And, and I told him, I was like, that's, we saw the big gathering. Yeah. We saw the day. And sure enough, after that, there'd just be like, we'd see a few little groups kind of spread around, you know? Well, the next day, there was a couple groups that went down the big valley below us and I tried to cut one off. I had a crosswind, but by the time I got down the valley, it ended up 
ended up switching and blowing towards them and, and hosed us. And that was a that was a dandy bull. And then I hiked back up to the top. Josh is there, and we had we had a a good bull with like three or four cows coming up the ridge we were on. And so again, the wind were kind of like it seemed like every which way we went, the wind was blowing from us to the elk. <laughs> no matter no matter which way you went. And so finally I'm like, well, I mean, this is, this is our play. We gotta, we gotta make a play. Maybe if we get over the little ridge, seems like if you're right on top of the ridge, a lot of times you can at least find, you know, if it starts to blow out of the West, it'd be somewhat steady. So we get up over there and it's kind of blowing across and we slip down on that group and, and I don't know if we tried to get in there too fast or, they caught a glimpse of us. We were behind Jenny, but I was trying to get to the last cover. He was, he was pretty fired up. He must have had a hot cow and I knew if I could get close enough, I could probably break him away, but he busted, he, he busted up, busted us. One thing I didn't tell you though is, so that first day when the big herd came up and we tried mm-hmm. to chase him basically, like it was, it's really rocky, kind of like gravelly ground, basically. And we were both wearing like tennis shoes, you know, and, and I think, and it was dead calm, dude. And, and those elk, they can hear, they can just tell what, a, you know, two doe balls running up the mountain sound like. They're not freaking elk. And so I told him the next morning, I was like, dude, we need to, we get up there and we start going after the elk. We need to put on our moccasins because he had moccasins too. It's my kind of guy, right? So that's what we did the next day. And that, and it seemed to make the difference, dude. Just saying. It's totally seemed to make the difference when we were working out on them. Anyway, so we, we had our moccasins on and everything and we go after that bull and I don't know if he winded us or what, but he busts out of there. And so now I'm like, gosh dang it, man. That's, that was the big one. He's gone. Well, we heard a couple satellites around. So, and while I was cow calling at that big bull, a couple satellites were bugling. And so we set up, and this time I told Josh, the day before, he just kind of stayed back. He didn't want to mess anything up. This time I told him, I said, hey, you make sure to bring your cow call, because when I get him to commit and start coming, like, you're going to drop back, you know, 30 or 40 yards and yeah. cow call a few times. So they come by me instead of right there. You know, it was a problem with that bull the day before. Right. Like, that's why he didn't come by me. He knew, you know, they know that shit. So... So the first one we kind of, he's coming in, Josh drops back, cow calls a couple times, and I think he went in. See, I caught a glimpse of him, he came up over the ridge, like he was coming, I I didn't even see how big he was, Josh said he thought he was a decent bull, and then all of a sudden he's gone, which made no sense at all, but I did feel a little bit of a breeze, kind of like switch on us, and so now I'm frustrated, because it's like, alright, well... They're usually shut up at eight, like game over at eight. It's already winding down. Sun's getting, getting up there. It's like 730, 740. Well, there's one more bull kind of down on this flat that had bugled at us a few times. And I, we packed up our stuff and I just said, well, just, just follow me. We'll slip down there and, and kind of just see if we can get them fired up. So we started working our way down the ridge and I was hitting that cow call and he just, he was getting more and more fired up the closer we got and, and pretty soon it was like, we're right on top of him. He's coming. And I didn't even have to say anything to Josh. I look back, he's gone. 
I stop calling. He cow calls a couple times and, and, uh, he kind of, he works way around to my left. I catch a glimpse of his horns. He sounded big. <laughs> I catch a glimpse of his horns as he's coming through the trees. And I told myself, I was like, I'm going to shoot. If it's a decent bull, I'm shooting it. I'm running out of time here. And, and I saw a glimpse of the horns, decent bull. He was about 34, 35 yards again, just like the bull the day before. But this time I, I knew that. And he steps out in that opening. I cow call, I drew back, cow called, stopped him. And I let her rip. And just before my arrow got there, he started to whirl a little bit. So it went from like a perfectly broadside shot to quartering a little bit. And I hit in, I ended up hitting like the second or third to the last rib and like dead centering it. And so my arrow only went in. It was hard to tell because the whole arrow was covered in blood, but I, it, I didn't get a ton of penetration. So I was super nervous. I was like, ah, oh, shoot. But I, I did see blood immediately. He ran over the hill, you know. And so I told Josh, I said, well, you know, I didn't get a ton of penetration. If I only hit one lung, we should wait. So we ended up waiting. We waited like three hours and went back. We ended up going back to camp basically, which was an hour drive. Got the old man and Ashley, Josh's wife, so they could help us and came back and we hiked in there and he just went over that hill and laid down on our juniper and that was it. So he died died quick a good shot i killed him with the same wood arrow i killed my bull with last year which was pretty awesome sure sure would chap yep yep and uh but it's gonna be the last one because he it's got a good while in it right now so he kind of messed it up it didn't break but it's unless i want to shoot around corners it's done for now so yeah you didn't you why didn't you use one of your new Fresh addictive archery, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't sign up on the list or early enough. I guess Andy's too busy, but it's all good. I got, I got plenty now. I only, I only need one, I guess. But um, yeah, it, yeah nice. it was cool. The same, same broadhead, same arrow, and I was like I said, so I cool. ended up kind of dissecting him, and the, and the arrow I think went in about. 15 or 16 inches it it split the rib and it also you know when it's quartered a little bit it has to go through like more of the rib you know it it i wouldn't want to get less penetration but i was happy to see that it it did the job you know i was super nervous at first but because i only shoot 50 50 pounds the wiki yeah yep so so yeah we packed them out and uh drove Went, I basically got him, got him back to camp, you know, a little bit before dark. I had to drive an hour to the nearest town, get some dry ice, blah, blah. And then yesterday we drove all the way home, got home at midnight, and today we loaded up and we're heading out again tomorrow. So yeah, that was my, yeah, uh, the good life. Yeah, it is the good life. That was Nevada. It was, it was fun, man. It was a, it was a good hunt. It was tough, but it was good. Met some good yeah, people. Yeah, Nevada. In the books, brought home an awesome bull. So yeah, it's awesome, man. You yeah. gonna keep putting in for Nevada, or are you done putting in there? Well, I can't. Uh, I guess like a seven-year wait period or something. I think I can still get points though. Oh. Yeah. 
I see. Yeah, but Except yeah, I will. Room. I will. I'm sure it's, it was good. So yeah, I, you like those desert desert elk hunts? Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I knew it wasn't you know one of the best hunts in the state or anything, but there was some big ones, man. I you know I I should have probably held out a few more days. It, you know how it is this time of year; it gets better and better every day. But I had you know yeah. my dad there helping me, Josh helping me. We have the our Arizona hunt opening. Like we're just gonna make it over there in the nick of time before it opens and yeah, so i'm saving all my uh roosevelt stories for another podcast and it's hard to do <laughs> man i'm uh you know i'm i'm hunting also uh um every uh a day that i can after work and all, all my days off and I'm, I'm in the middle of a serious grind myself and uh, so I'll, I'll hold that stuff for uh, a future roosevelt podcast but um yeah we're looking forward to getting you uh, uh on uh number two bob's next bowl yeah i gotta hopefully there's a dumb one down there yeah well he usually finds some dumb ones and your brother and dad have tags so it's gonna be an awesome yeah it's gonna be guys. it's gonna be fun we're all we're riding together that's what we're packing all day today trying to get everything loaded on and one truck, you know, you know, hunting is three guys, all your stuff, all your bows, all that, blah, blah, blah. We're taking the wall tent. Ah, just like the Beverly Dude, I'm hunting 40 miles from my house and I'm in my Toyota Tundra and I have three totes, <laughs> multiple Kafaru backpacks and bow and you know, extra arrows and food. And it's like, I, I don't know how I go on a backpack hunt with just a backpack on. And then I'm, when I'm car camping, I have a whole truck full of stuff. I know. It's the way it goes. But I'll tell you, dude, once again, that pack, I'm not a pack guy at all. Like I was, you know, I just, I always I can't afford them. <laughs> you know, I just always like, eh, whatever works, whatever I get for my birthday. But that yeah. thing was so nice, dude. I kept everything in there because because that's the thing with there it's like the desert but you got to take your your spotting scope your tripod your binoculars you know i got a pair of 15s i drink a lot of water so you got a big water jug it's cold in the morning so i got extra clothes you know like the extra clothes i got to stuff yeah. in there it's like jesus yeah, man that's but yeah, that 22 mag fits you perfectly oh, and dude. like you said at all all that gear you have it there's a place for it yeah, the spotting scope pocket and the tripod pocket and yeah, it was a place for everything. That those packs are so it, well made and so was, well thought out. Yeah, it, it was well. The, the little pouch on top was money because I could put like my face paint in there and my wind checker and whatever, like anything yeah. you want to get to like right away. And then I put one of those little add-on pouches he gave us on the back, and that's where I put my granola bar. So if I needed a little snack, you know, I could get to that easy. This is for, yeah, this, that's, this that's where I have mine too. Yeah. yeah, it was money. So, so that was cool. And then you kill some, you strap it on there and roll. And then I used the heck out of my Kuyu shorts and and zip off long johns always and a t shirt because as soon as that sun comes up, man, and you're walking back, you know, a couple three miles. I think I hiked. I I did over a thousand miles on my Ranger. And I hiked over 150 or something like that. And you got to think the first week, week or so, I was glassing most of the time. Week, a little over a week. So covered a ton right. of ground, man. A ton of ground. 
Yeah, I was wishing I had those zip uh, zip down long johns um, out in the woods because every uh, morning I'm having to, to, you know, take my boots off and my pants off and pull my long johns off and go through that whole routine. Yeah, dude, I, they're 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 money. They are money. You just drop your drawers. Awesome. That kid probably thought I was crazy. <laughs> Hiking along and all of a sudden I'd stop and pull down my pants, <laughs> zip off my long johns, uh, step them in my pack, and we're off. So Back I, moving. The moccasins were awesome. That's the second bull I've killed moccasins. There's something about hunting in moccasins. Those are, Where did you get your moccasins? Well, those are the ones I've had forever. I've had those... It was like Arrow Moccasin Company. I think I bought them. was like 21. And 38th okay. birthday was yesterday. So I've had them a long time. I've had to get them restitched a couple times. But I think that I don't think they make them anymore. Turned 38 yesterday, Bob? Yep. Yep. Oh, man. Happy birthday. I uh, I didn't realize that you had a uh, bugling bull uh, birthday. That's pretty awesome, man. Yep. It's always good to get, a, get an elk before my birthday. That's always... It's always good. Well, your birthday's like September 10th, and my book is like the beginning of the rut. Really. Yeah, yep, yeah. That's when it starts getting good. It's okay. it's getting good now, man. It's just like I said, I should have probably held out, but it's that's all right. I gave her I gave her hell for a while. I got a lot of good meat, decent bull. I was driving to work yesterday, and I seen uh Two bulls in the back of trucks. One of them going one way, one going the other way. Both of them were big toads, and I was like, "Well, it must be uh, cranking up pretty good." Yeah, yeah. They're those elk are pretty dang smart when they're not rutting. Pretty hard to kill the yeah, bow. They are. Yeah, I'm. I'm really leaning uh, towards trying to become a tree stand hunter for elk. I think it would really. <laughs> Uh, alleviate a, a lot of frustration. Yeah, especially until, you know, until like it the 5th or 6th of September. You know, like if you if you did that until yeah the 5th or 6th, that'd be good. Because it's yeah. fun when they're yeah. calling, but it's brutal when you're just beating brush and nothing's happening. Not. <laughs> you're just so frustrated. It's hard to, it's hard to keep up the the uh yeah. the go you know but you just have to remember that i remember telling myself several times in that hunt it's like man i could walk over the next hill and there could be a 390 bull standing there you know doing whatever you know you know that's all it takes and that's how elk hunting is it's, it can feel like yeah so impossible yeah, yeah it could feel like i am never gonna get one like this is not gonna work out and then 10 minutes later you just shot one i mean it's just it's yeah. so, it's one of those things in life that's just so, it's, that's what makes it so rewarding. It's so difficult. You know, I spent yep. freaking 16 days getting up at three in the morning, hiking my butt off, freezing my butt off, driving in that damn wheeler on these crappy roads and, and just doing whatever I could. And it seems, you know, possible. And then all of a sudden, like, damn, there it goes. So, but yeah, trophy hunting's tough. Uh, so, tough for a guy from Oregon. Uh, uh, so awesome, dude. Well, yeah, well, I guess we'll just wrap this one up. Uh, we'd like to thank uh, Kafaro International, uh, Addictive Archery, Andy Ponce. Those guys over there uh, at 
Compton Traditional Bow Hunters, uh, the national traditional bow hunting organization. If you guys aren't a member, you need to become one. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, uh, our website, tragquest.com. Uh, leave us an email at tragquestpodcast at gmail.com. And keep the wind in your face, pick a spot, and shoot a big old ball. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Frosty before the sun comes up, the geese are on the wing. The deer are fat and happy, no, they don't suspect a thing. I can't take it any longer, I've got to breathe some air. The only cure for what I've got is a week or so out there. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie, through and through, hunts my middle name. Thank you.